Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Cool. Well, as it's been said several times already this morning, Happy New Year. So if I didn't see you on the door as you came in and said Happy New Year, I want to say welcome to 2020. Uh, Not only is it a new year, as has been said before, it's a new decade. And I don't know about you, but I love the weeks between Christmas and New Year and maybe that first week uh, after New Year because it seems to be always so exciting. I mean, it's the beginning. You're standing on the precipice of a new year and the, um, the future is bright. There's kind of like possibility everywhere. I mean, there's just this enthusiasm and excitement and faith and expectation for what this new year can bring. And I don't know if it's got anything to do with often when you get to the end of the year, you're a little bit spent. I mean, many people go, when it gets to the end of the year, many people go on holidays, offices close down. And so what that means is if you're going on holidays, you have to clear your in-tray, your desk has to be cleared, all those things that, yeah, I'll get to tomorrow, I'll get to tomorrow. It's like, oh, I've got to quickly get rid of those and get them done and knocked off and signed and finished because, you know, I'm not coming in tomorrow. Uh, At the end of the year, there's celebrations to be had. You know, people are finishing their courses, they're finishing school, they've done their exams, they've got celebrations and graduations. And then there's Christmas. And so there's all the preparation for Christmas. You know, you've got to think about what you're going to buy people. You've got to think about where it's got to come from. You've actually got to go out and buy it. And then we're entertaining people. And so you've got to clean the house because you know what? You know that all your guests who are coming to see you are actually coming to see if your bathroom's clean enough. So you've got to make sure the house is clean. Everything's prepared. And at the end of the year, I often find myself saying, I've, I've just reached my limit. Am I among us people who think the same? You just get to the end. If you don't verbally say it, you're at least thinking, that's it, I've reached my limit. I'm done. I'm at capacity. And I know I'm not alone because I actually went to the shops before Christmas. And I saw people who also, they may not have said, I'm at my limit, but everything about them said they're at their limit. I mean, I saw shop assistants roll their eyes. If you want to make me mad, roll your eyes at me. (laughs) But I saw shop assistants roll their eyes. They might not have said, I'm at my limit, but they said, I'm at my limit. I saw customers be rude to such shop assistants. And so that's, you know, they might not say, listen here, shop assistant, you're the last person that I've come to, I'm at my, they might not have said that, but everything about them said they'd reached their limit. And guess what? I saw people at their limits in the car park. I saw a little old lady taking on this big bruiser of a man at Tea Tree Plaza car park. And I was looking at it going, my money's on the lady. (laughs) She's like, she had him. Like, I don't know what went down. And I kind of wondered, do I need to interject? I took a look at the woman and went, no, she's good. (laughs) She's fine. But you know what? This world has limits. We've got things like, speed limits. We've got things like time limits. There were um, financial limits. Hey, we've even got things like limited resources. 
I know I said I went to the shops, but this year I actually discovered online shopping. I mean, who knew? I didn't know that I could be sitting at BJ's graduation doing my Christmas shopping. I was like, this is amazing. But do you know what I also discovered about online shopping is that many times I'm going, hit, add to cart, add to cart, add to cart. Oh, yeah, and that two of those, add to cart, add to cart. You, can't, you, you click the cart little thing, the little shopping trolley, and many times I was met with limited stock. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But this world has limits. And again, what we often forget about that is we've actually been conditioned by the limitations of this world. Because I'm not saying that anything negative or wrong about having boundaries or having limits, but the problem is that this has limited us in our thinking and our approach because our limits actually train us in how we do life. And the way it trains us is this. When I break the speed limit, what happens? Who am I kidding? I don't know. I've never broken the speed limit (laughs) or been caught breaking the speed limit. But you know what? When we break the speed limit, we get something called a speeding fine. If you overstay your parking limit, you get a parking fine. And this one, to my shame, I do know about. When you overspend on your credit card, you get a over-limit fee. So this world has been designed to have limits. And we as individuals and as humans have been trained by these limits to live a limited type life. And while it's healthy, I believe, to have boundaries, boundaries are healthy and they're an aspect that we need to know and understand. The problem I perceive that what I do, and I know many other people do, is we overlay that limited thinking and those limits over our view of God. We actually start to view God as having limits because we've been designed, created and trained by the limits with which we have in this world. And we've just celebrated Christmas. And I don't know about you, but when I speak to friends and family and I talk, and especially those who don't have an understanding of Christianity, would not consider themselves to be Christ followers, when I have conversations with them about my faith, about what I believe, a lot of people are open to the concept and the thought of a higher power and a God out there. But we often hit a snag when we start to talk about Jesus and the virgin birth because everything within inside the hearer is saying, but now hang on a second, that's a limitation. We all know that you cannot have a birth without there being an egg and a spoon. That, that's a limiter. For you to say that it was a woman who was a virgin gave birth to a child, that's where I stop because I'm putting my, I understand limitation and that's a limitation to me. And church, what we have to remember this morning is that impossible does not deny the existence of God. Impossible which simply and purely just highlights the limitations of humanity. And this morning I want to remind us that we serve a God who is unlimited. 
He is unlimited, so much so that he can make a virgin conceive and give birth to the Saviour of the world. We serve an unlimited God. And this morning I want to look at this unlimited God and talk about the limitless life that he's got available to you and I. And again, it can seem so incredulous, it can seem so far out, but that's because we've been trained by the limitations that you and I have. And this morning, we want to look at some things and take off the thinking and the limited thinking that you and I just find ourselves conditioned by and lift our eyes up to see this unlimited God that we can have a life that is limitless. Have I got a company of people who would be excited about that this morning? It's awesome. One of my favourite scriptures, and I think the scripture that really talks about God's heart for us to step into this unlimited life that he has for us is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and it's verses 11 to 13. And I'm going to read it from the message. It says this, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives, live openly and expansively. I have had the privilege this morning of starting or kicking off our new series, Unlimited. God has a wide open, spacious life for you and I. He calls us. You've only got to look at the Bible and the things that he's asking us to do. And most of the times we go, those things are impossible. You want me to love my enemies? That's impossible. You want me to go over and above? That's impossible. And you know what? Based on that scripture, it is impossible when we are living with the smallness that comes from inside. But God's call to us, His promise for us, His encouragement to us is, I've got a wide open, spacious life for you to walk into. The question is, will you get out of living within yourself and tap into the unlimited resources that I have available to you? This might not be a shock to you, but my love has limits. My patience has limits. My wisdom has limits. Everything about me has limits. But the wonderful news this morning is my God is limitless. He has unlimited ability available to me. He's got unlimited resources and things available to you. And we want to be able to look at them over these series. Look about the unlimited love of God. Look about the unlimited grace that's available to us, the unlimited power, the unlimited resource, the unlimited wisdom that God has that He says, come come to me. Don't let the smallness that you're feeling that's coming from within stop you from stepping into the wide, open, spacious life that I've got in store for you. And this morning, I'm going to kick the series off and I want to talk about unlimited grace. Now, you might sit there and think, well, what is grace? Perhaps you've been watching those many red carpet shows, you know, when they have the Academy Awards or the many movie shows and there's all this... um, Women, they're dressed so beautifully and the men are so handsome and they walk. And you often will hear the commentator say, oh, look, there's Catherine. She walks with such grace. It's never been said of me, but (laughs) 
Yeah, so you hear people exclaim, hey, there's so-and-so. They walk with such grace. Or perhaps you've heard a conversation where people have talked about, you know what, I saw Jan and Fred working through this negotiation. You know what, they handled that situation with such grace. Or perhaps you've um, been on the opposite end of a conversation where someone's saying, oh, don't let so-and-so know that. You don't want to fall into their bad graces. Um, Or maybe you're here this morning and really your only understanding of grace is something that somebody says before they partake in a meal. There are all sorts of understandings, all sorts of descriptions for the word grace. But this morning, one of them I want to refer to and one of the definitions I really love about grace is this. It's God's free and unmerited favour shown to guilty sinners who deserve only judgment. I've also heard grace described this way as an acronym, which means God's riches at Christ's expense. And this morning we want to be able to look at this grace and see, talk about what it means for you and I and how we can tap into an unlimited grace that's been extended to each and every one of us and that God is asking us, will we walk and step into it so we can extend this grace to others. And I want to share a picture from the Old Testament, which I think greatly illustrates this grace at work. And we're going to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'm going to read through verses 1 to 13. I'll just pull bits and pieces out, but I'm letting you know that's the text. So after this morning, you can go home, you can read it for yourselves and check it out. But just to give you a little bit of background, there was a man by the name of David, and he'd been chosen by God to be the next king of Israel. And so he found himself working for the current king, King Saul at the time. And he was serving under this King Saul. And King Saul knew that David had been anointed and appointed by God to be the next king. So he obviously was a little insecure, wasn't really very happy about it. So he made it his mission to try and destroy David's life. And we see many chapters where they're talking about David being on the run. He's hiding and in fear of his life because King Saul has threatened to kill him and and is actually trying to do it. In the meantime, David has developed a really good friendship with King Saul's son, Jonathan. They've got a really good uh, friendship. And there comes a day when both King Saul and his son, Jonathan, are on the battlefield. They are fighting the Philistines and both King Saul and uh, Jonathan are killed. And then David is anointed as king and he goes to Israel. He's now the king over Israel. And we're going to pick it up in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. It says this, David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Verse 3, it says, Zeba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Verse 6, when Mesebosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honour. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul and you will always eat at my table. 
Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? And verse 13 goes on to say, And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table and he was lame in both feet. There's a couple of things about grace that I want to highlight this morning and pull out of this story. And the first one is this. God's grace is a gift. So you have to understand that it's customary for any incoming king to eradicate any of the leftover bloodline of the past king so that he could secure his throne. Because he understood that if he left any of the family members alive, that they could then at some stage gather up a um, posse and they would have some sort of right of claim to the throne. So it was natural for the new king to find any family members and just blot them out. In fact, we know that to be true because if you go further back in 2 Samuel, in 2 Samuel chapter 4, when it's found out that actually King Saul and Jonathan had died, the people in the palace decide to flee to save their lives because they know when the new king comes in, we're all... (coughs) And what happens in that moment, Metabosheth's nurse picks him up to flee to rescue him and in the fleeing, she drops him and that's how he actually becomes crippled. So when King David says, hey, let's summon Mephibosheth to my presence, you can imagine what he's thinking. He's thinking, I've made it so far to now, but now that it's caught up with me, the king has called me to his presence because he's actually going to take me out and finish what, has, what wasn't finished before. So I, you can imagine that he's probably settled all his affairs. He's made sure all his bills are paid. His desk is clear. He's probably said goodbye to all his friends because he knows I'm going to the palace. That's it. And what a wonderful wonderful surprise that when he gets to the palace, David says to him, don't be afraid. I'm going to show kindness to you because of your uh, father, Jonathan's sake. David doesn't kill him. David restores him. And you know what? To me, that's a great picture of what God has done to you and I. We are of the bloodline of Adam which means we were born into sin, that is our sin nature. We actually live under the reign and the kingdom of another king. When King Jesus came in, he had every right to eradicate and blot us out. But God's grace is a gift to us. He doesn't give us what we deserve, unmerited favour, judgment about for, uh, to us for things that we did deserve. But grace doesn't do that. Grace is a gift. And just like King David said to Mephibosheth, I knew I was going to get it wrong all the time, so just whatever comes out, go with it. We'll call him Meph. Does Meph work? No, probably that's even worse. Bosheth, all right. Bo, Bo, all right. Anyway, the problem is what he got wasn't what he deserved, but it was a gift. God's grace to you and I is a gift. We get the same grace to us that David shed to Mephibosheth. We don't deserve it. It is a grace. We have been forgiven. God has given us riches. He has made us members of his household, just like King David did to Mephibosheth. God's grace, one, is a gift. And secondly, God's grace 
can't be earned. I love the fact that in the, in the part that I read you, twice it refers to Meshebosheth being a cripple. I'm like, we got it the first time. We're like, okay, we got it. He's crippled in both feet. Yes, there's a, but it refers to it twice. And here's the, I believe, the reason why. Because the Bible is trying to remind you and I that there was nothing that Meshebotheth could actually offer David to earn his grace. He was crippled from young, which meant there was nothing he did that earned it. He was still crippled, which means there's nothing he can do to pay him back for what the king has already done to him. And again, it's the same picture of you and I. We know what you, we may not be physically crippled, but we've been crippled by the sin nature that you and I were born into. We, just like Mesoboshef, had nothing to offer God to earn His grace that He extended to us. And we have nothing that we can try to offer to keep the grace that He's extended. God's grace is a gift to you and I and God's grace is something you and I can't earn. It's His unmerited favour towards us. It's something He's extended on His behalf. And what I love about this is the point being that it wasn't because of who Meshebosheth was, it was because of his father, Jonathan. It says, David said, who can I show kindness to for the sake of Jonathan? And it's the same for you and I. It's not about who we are. It's not about what we've done. God lavishes His grace upon us. He shows kindness towards us. He extends forgiveness to us, not because of who we are, but because of His Son's sake, for what Christ did for us. Because while grace has been extended freely to you and I, while we couldn't earn it, it still actually had to be earned. We couldn't pay the price. We have got nothing to offer, but it still had to have a price paid and someone offer. And that's where Christ came and paid the price that you and I couldn't pay. He made the offering that you and I couldn't do so that, Christ, that God then would accept us because of what Christ has done for each and every one of us. So grace is a gift. Grace can't be earned. And thirdly, grace must be received. It's a gift that can't be earned, only received. God's favour and forgiveness does have to be earned. But since you and I couldn't do it, Christ did it on our behalf, our job church is to receive this gift of God's grace, to take it and say, thank you, God, for what you have done for me. And what what I've discovered is that while we talk about a grace that is unlimited, a grace that has been extended to me instead of the judgment I deserved, I've learned over 25 years of leading church and 33 years of being a Christian that God may have unlimited grace but my grace is limited. And I don't mean just at Christmas when my inbox is full and my stock is limited or I go to the shops and I get rude service. I've discovered in life that my grace has limits. And it may be that my grace gets limited because you know it is the end of the year and you're tired and things are on top of you. But I've also noticed that my grace gets limited because of my perceived view on other people. See, God's grace to me is not based on me earning it. 
It's not based on who I am or what I've done. It's not based on um, me getting it all together and getting it all right. It was free and it was what I should have got, I didn't get. And what I shouldn't have got, I did get. And the flip side is I don't actually extend that same grace and that same thinking to others. And before you think, oh, shock horror, I know I'm in a room full of people who are exactly the same, that our grace is limited. I will extend you grace. I'll extend you favour. But there are times when I'm tired. There are times when I'm overwhelmed. There are times when I just can't think about doing the right thing. There are times when I would perceive that you don't deserve my grace, that you haven't earned my grace, or I just don't have the capacity to extend my grace to you. And the premise of this series is this, that while my grace is limited, God's grace towards me is unlimited, and he is asking me at the beginning of 2020 and forever Will I step into the wide open spacious life that he has? Will I step into the unlimited grace that I've received and will I pass it on? And it's my question for all of us in the room this morning. Will we do the same? Will we look at our lives and go, you know what, my grace. You know, I extend grace to those I feel deserve it. I might not say it, but my actions declare it. Will I extend grace to everyone? Will I extend the unlimited grace to all those I come in contact with just as I've received an unlimited grace? And so the good news this morning is we don't have to be stuck and stopped in our limited grace, but we can have a heart that says, you know, God, I want to walk in and walk out in the unlimited grace that's available to me. And I want to go back to that story of King David because I think when you read it, he displayed unlimited grace. His grace towards Mishabosheth was a gift. He, he couldn't earn it. He was just able to pass it on to him. And I think there's some things that David did that led him to walk in the unlimited grace of God that's available to you and I. And I just want to share three of those things just rather quickly this morning. And the first one is this. I believe the key to developing unlimited grace in your and my life is to show kindness. Chapter 2 Samuel 9, 1, the first verse, he says, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? I don't know about you, but when you read the story of King David before he was king, how unfairly he was treated, how he was hunted down. He even says, you hunt me down like a dog. He was chased after. He was unfairly accused of certain things. You've got to think when you make it to kingdom and you feel like you've got this justification, there'd be some, I know there'd be something inside of me that's just like, right, all those who are after me, all those who falsely accuse me, all those, where are they? Line them up because I'm going to take it. Now's my time. And he's talking about how do you walk in unlimited grace. David, through all of that, kept a kind heart because it said when he had the opportunity that he could have exerted his own justice, he didn't choose to take it. He said, you know what? Is there anyone in the house of Saul, not David, he didn't just say because of Jonathan's sake. He said, is there anyone in the house of Saul 
the man who was trying to kill me, the man who's chased me and has caused all sorts of uncomfort, is there anyone in that house whom I can show kindness because of Jonathan's sake? And the Bible goes on to say that actually David, although not perfect, was a man after God's own heart. And we just got to say, you know what, if you want to step into the unlimited grace that God has for you so that it can work in your life and more importantly through your life, then we've got to be agents of kindness. We've got to show kindness. And you know what, it's actually not that hard in the situations in which we find ourselves. I think sometimes we think kindness has to be this amazing big thing that you've got to do, but you've only got to look at the world today and see how lacking in kindness it is, how scathing people can be. Just going, even going through social media with the Prime Minister and what he's walked through, it doesn't matter your um, actual political persuasion. Kindness, does people, you don't treat people that way. And it doesn't take much for us to show kindness. And David does this amazing act by saying, hey, I'm go- the unlimited grace that's been extended to me, I'm going to extend it to him. I'm going to show kindness to anyone who's in Saul's family because of Jonathan's sake. And I have a, 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 there's a person here who comes to church every week and I often meet them on the door and I always give them a hug and I hold their hand and tell them it's great to see you. And they came up to me only three weeks ago and they said, I just need to let you know how much it means to me that you hug me and you hold my hand. And I was dumbfounded because I was like, I'm sorry, I don't want to undermine your uh, testimony, but I do that to everybody. Like, I, you know, but they said to me this, I've never in my life been hugged and had my hand held. People recoil from me and I was shocked. And with tears in their eyes, they just told me the kindness and what that had done for them. Church, I'm here to tell you, it's not hard to be kind. It really isn't. And if you want to tap into the unlimited grace that God has available to you, and not only tap into it for yourself, but be an agent of unlimited grace to others, to let it work through you so you can do the things that God is calling you to do, we just have to be kind. And it's not that hard. And if you are struggling, saying, oh, but you know what? Take a leaf out of David's book. How did David show kindness to Saul's family line? For Jonathan's sake. And so if there's anything that you're going, no, but you don't understand. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't, you're right, I don't. But the how is this, for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. For what God has done for me, then I should be able to extend kindness to others. For Christ's sake. I'm not doing this for you. 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 I'm doing this for Christ's sake. You want to walk and tap into the unlimited grace that's available to you? Show kindness. Secondly, give generously. David was radical in his generosity to Mephibosheth. I mean, he didn't just restore all the lands that King Saul had had. So he restored back to him what was his natural inheritance. But he went over and above. He says to him, for the rest of your days, you've got a seat at my table, which means that's, that's being like in the family line. So he's saying you're back in the kingdom. You're back in the line of being the king's son. You have a seat at my table. You want to walk in unlimited grace? Then you've got to start giving generously over and above what it is that God is asking us to do. I loved hearing the testimonies that Crystal was sharing about Christmas box. But here's what we have to understand. As Christians... 
as members of this church, we have an opportunity every week to bring our tithe. Our tithe is just our opportunity not to earn God's grace. It's actually our responsibility for us to remind ourselves and to let God know we remember what you've done for us. I can't buy my salvation. I don't buy your grace. But when I give you my off my tithe, I'm saying, God, I remember everything I have. It's because you gave it to me in the first place. The fact I can earn money is because I have breath in my lungs that you give me. It's because I have talents and I have appendages that I can use to put to through that somebody can employ me. Everything I have is yours. When I bring my tithe, I'm just reminding myself of that and saying thank you to you. But when I'm generous then I'm walking in grace. When I say, I'm not only tithing, but I'm going to, hey, I want to get one of those Christmas boxes. I'm going to get some of those. I'm going to sponsor them. Hey, I'm going to walk in unlimited grace when I continue to bring my tithe, but then I say, I'm going to donate to Red Cross. I'm going to donate to this. I saw a post on uh, social media only a couple of weeks ago, a young mum in this house who uh, was in our parents' room. And she just posted a photo and just said, do you know what I love? I love through the generosity of the church. I can come to church in my season where I have a newborn that I can't necessarily sit in the service because they're crying or they're making noise or I want to feed and I'm not comfortable to do that here. But I can sit in a room and still get the service stream to me, still get the message. And that happened because a church said, you know what, I'm going to participate in the legacy offering. And when I go over and above my tithe and participate in the legacy offering, we get to do things like revamp our kids' ministry, do our playground outside, do the entertaining area, do our parents' room. If you want to walk in unlimited grace, give generously, not just what do I have to do, what's the bare minimum? David's bare minimum, he didn't have to do anything. And then you could say, well, maybe the bare minimum is just restore to him what was his. David didn't do the bare minimum. He restored what was his and went over and above. He said, I see that and then I raise it and I match it. If you want to walk in the unlimited grace of God, then give generously. And then thirdly, and this one is my most personal difficult one to do, forgive freely. Continuing on in 2 Samuel, what happens with David is king His actual son rises up against him and tries to overthrow him. And David is forced to flee the kingdom and he and his household flee. But unfortunately, Mephibosheth doesn't go with him. And Mephibosheth's uh, servant Ziba, who you heard me refer to in the beginning passage, he meets David when David's fleeing and he gives him some some cattle, some horses, some food. And David asks, where is my master's servant? And he, the servant says, oh, no, he thinks that this now is God's vindication that he's going to get the kingdom back from you. So David says, okay, well, everything that was his is now yours, and he flees. Absalom is uh, killed. David is restored back to the kingdom. And Mephibosheth comes to see David. And David asks him, why didn't you leave? And Mephibosheth says, King David... My servant betrayed me. Because when you think about it, here's a servant giving the king 200 horses. You're like, well, where did you get them from? You're a servant. He says, my servant betrayed me, has slandered me to you. But you know what? You are king. Do whatever you think is right. And again, David has the opportunity to say, you know what? After all I've done for you, I did this, I did this, I did this. But he took him at his word 
and he forgave him. And he said, you know what, now divide what I've given to the servant between the two of you. David had an opportunity where he could hold something against him and say, you know what, that's it. He said, my limited grace gets me this far, but no further. But he tapped into the unlimited grace of God when he forgave again and again and again. And you might be sitting there saying, but you, again, you don't understand. You don't know what's been done to me. And I, again, I agree and concur, I don't. But here's what I want you to gather this morning. One of the greatest ways, and this is a, a real word I feel for us this morning, if you want to know how do you continue, how do I forgive when it just seems impossible? God, I want to receive your grace. I want to have that grace work in and through me. I want to walk in the unlimited grace and be that agent of grace. But God, I'm struggling to let go of what it is that's been done to me. Here's something that helps me and I'm trusting it will help you. Is church, stop keeping score. I sit with many husbands and wives and you're walking through them and they're talking about their difficulties and their hurts and it's almost like a tennis match where it's love, juice, advantage server, juice and they're keeping score. He did this, she did that. He did this, she did that. And often that's what we do. And yet God's promise to us, he says, I remember your sins no more. As from the east is to the west, I've forgotten your transgressions. I don't remember them. And we have to be the same. We will not forgive freely when we continue to keep score. But I did this, and instead of doing that, you did this. Check, it's on the blackboard. One to me, none to you. Then I tried again. I heard a message on forgiveness. I tried again. I did this, you did this. Check, there's another one. You will never forgive while you continue to keep score of the wrongs that have been done to you. Grace is God's unmerited favour that we don't receive the judgment for the sin that we both or all have done. It's unmerited. It's not deserved. God did not keep score on you and everything you've done. Cut yourself a break. Cut everyone else a break. Stop keeping score. Remember, if you don't remember anything, remember that. And remember, mercy, not judgment. It is not our responsibility to judge. doesn't mean we don't want to. doesn't mean we don't fight with that temptation. It's just not ours. You want to walk in unlimited grace. The unlimited grace that has not judged you but kept mercy before you then stop keeping score. My grace has limits. Your grace has limits. But God's grace is unlimited. And we can walk in it when we show kindness, we give generously, and we forgive freely. And I love the scripture in 1 Corinthians 15 where it says, this grace to me was not without effect. In other words, this grace had an effect on me, but it also has an effect on others. And I want to finish with this. When Meshabosheth came to King David and said, I know, but I was betrayed. I'm so sorry. You do what it is you want. And the king said, divide 
the spoils or divide the kingdom now between the servant and Meshaboshev. This is how he answers. He says, O king, let him have everything. Now that my Lord and king has arrived home safely. And I don't know about you, but I think, wow, what a grace. Here's a young man who received all that. He got betrayed. But because of the unlimited grace that David extended to him, it had an effect on him. He didn't say, yeah, that's right, I'll take my half. He just said, you know what, king, let him have it. Let him have it because I've tapped into an unlimited grace. I've been the recipient of that unlimited grace. I now want to be a conduit of that same grace. Grace is the supernatural empowerment that enables you to do what you could not otherwise do in your own strength. Church, at the beginning of 2020, I want to remind you this. Your life isn't small. Perhaps you've just been living it in a small way. But God's call and encouragement and invite to each and every one of us is there's a wide, expansive, open life that he has available to each and every one of us. The smallness we feel, it comes from in here. It comes from our limited grace. But if we could tap into the unlimited resources of God, we can walk confidently, boldly into not only 2020, but into the spacious wide open, open life, the limitless life that God has for each and every one of us. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 